Welcome to the Refine Your Health podcast with Dr. Dion. I'm a primary care physician, and now I can happily add podcaster. Tune in to each episode to hear great information on improving health outcomes, disease prevention, and overall community health advocacy. Thanks for listening. Now let's jump into today's episode to improve your health. Hello, listeners. This is your host, Dr. Dion, and thanks for checking out this episode of Refine Your Health. First, I'd like to start off by thanking all of the listeners out there who have subscribed to the podcast and who have shared it with other individuals. And for those of you who have not subscribed, I would encourage you to do so so you can get the latest episode as soon as it is released. So let's just start off by talking about what our subject is for today, and it is asthma. Asthma is an important topic to talk about, especially as we go into the summer months, because a lot of individuals may have what we call asthma attacks or asthma flares as well. May is considered asthma awareness month. So I thought this would be a great time to talk about this topic because it impacts a lot of individuals in the United States. And to that point, the Center for Disease Control listed some statistics and states that one in 13 people in the United States has asthma, meaning 25 million Americans have the diagnosis of asthma and 5 million are kids. So basically, what is asthma? Asthma is a long term condition that affects the airways in the lungs. Airways are tubes that are used to carry air into the lungs as well as out of the lungs. Airways can become inflamed and narrow and making air harder to flow when people are taking breaths in and out. And so that's considered an asthma flare. So individuals may be asking, is there a cure for asthma? There is no cure for asthma. Most individuals end up learning how to control the asthma symptoms where they may not either have symptoms or if they do occur, that they have medications to help control them. So now let's talk about some of the risk factors for asthma. One is obesity. And for children, if you are a male, you have a greater risk of asthma occurring compared to if you are a woman when you're in your teens or as an adult, as it relates to your sex playing a role as a risk of developing asthma. Another is allergies, especially if you have certain allergies to food or pollen and their occupational hazards, such as if you work in a chemical or industrial setting where you may be exposed to different types of dust. Race plays a role. According to the Center for Disease Control, African-Americans and Puerto Ricans have a higher risk of asthma than other races or other ethnicities that may develop asthma. African-American and Hispanic children are likely to die from asthma-related causes than non-Hispanic white Americans. So that's why it's so important to discuss this topic because there's certain healthcare disparities that exist for minority populations compared to white populations. And so to be educated on these different diseases such as asthma can hopefully decrease the disparity so individuals know when to seek help as well as to make sure that their symptoms are managed appropriately. So let's talk about the causes of asthma since we've talked about what is asthma and some of the risk factors. Some of the causes of asthma attacks or asthma flares may be related to environmental allergens such as like we talked about certain type of pollen, dust, things of that nature as well as cigarette smoke, whether it be personal smoking or secondhand smoke exposure. 
viral infections such as colds. And then there, if there's a family history of asthma, increases your risk of developing asthma. Now that we've talked about some of the causes, now what are some of the symptoms individuals may present with? One is coughing. It may be worse at night, cause individuals to produce mucus. Individuals may have shortness of breath, feeling like they can't catch their breath or feeling like they can't get enough air out. There's episodes of wheezing and wheezing is a whistling sound when you breathe. Individuals may have a sense of chest tightness where it's like a squeezing or something sitting on their chest sensation. However, even though I went through all these different types of symptoms that are most common during asthma attacks or symptoms of asthma, the difference between asthma versus other conditions that may have similar symptoms is that the symptoms have a pattern. So like I said, the cough is worse at night. You have a wheezing type of symptom and the shortness of breath, that sensation of not getting enough air out or feel like they can't get enough in to actually catch their breath. So what are some triggers of asthma? We've mentioned some of those earlier when we mentioned about like environmental allergens that may be triggers. So indoor allergens such as mold, dust, pet dander, fur, outdoor allergens such as mold or pollen. Now, another trigger for asthma can be related to stress or anger, crying or laughing can cause it. So those are some interesting triggers that I became more aware of. I know a couple of these could cause it. Sometimes I've heard about the emotional, such as the stress component or the anger component inducing an asthma attack. Now, some individuals may have just wheezing more so when they go out and perform some physical activity or exercise or some type of sport activity. So physical activity may present with symptoms of an asthma attack or asthma symptoms. Infections are a trigger for asthma where it may be related to a cold or flu infection and most recently COVID-19. Medications such as aspirin in patients with an asthma diagnosis may trigger and just poor air quality. I know individuals may have seen doing like the weather forecast or if you look at your weather apps on your phone, they mention about the air quality for the area. And so these things are important for individuals to pay attention to, especially if you have the diagnosis of asthma, because you'll know if you're at risk for a potential flare of your asthma symptoms. So let's just talk about what happens, especially during an asthma attack and why it is so concerning. So an asthma attack is when the airway swells and narrows, making it difficult to breathe and symptoms get worse and they may be gradual are fast, but majority of the time, if they progress, then they can become life-threatening and be a concern in individuals with severe asthma. So you want to make sure that you know when to seek medical attention. But before we get into when individuals should seek medical attention, let's talk about how asthma is diagnosed. A few of the most common tools that are used to diagnose asthma is the spirometry, which is basically a lung test that is used to measure how much air that an individual can breathe out. And this may be used to determine 
how well a, a person is able to get air in and out of their lungs. And they may use a medication during this test to see if their response is improved with certain types of medications to determine lung function. And additional tests that they may use is called a peak flow test. And some individuals who have asthma may be aware of this. And these are peak flow tests that can be done most of the times in a doctor's office. And it's basically determining how fast you can blow air out with maximal effort. And if your symptoms, especially if you're in an asthma flare up, your peak flow may be lower than normal. So if a provider does that test when you're at your base level, normal, no symptoms, and compare it to when you're having symptoms, they'll be able to determine the difference and know that there's something going on with your lungs and your lung capacity is not functioning at its maximum therefore you'll need certain types of medications to help improve your symptoms. Also, there are certain uh, provocation type of tests that are used that will see if you are exposed to certain medicines or allergens that may tighten your airway muscles or chest muscles to see how well you're able to move air in and out before exposure to the allergen versus afterwards to a medicine or an allergen to see how your lungs respond. So this helps individuals to know potential triggers may be present for an individual as well as what medications may be beneficial to try to help control some of their asthma symptoms. Now, individuals may want to know, okay, we've talked about what is asthma, the potential causes, triggers, risk factors, how is diagnosed now how is it managed and this is an important component especially when individuals are in an asthma attack or asthma flare of knowing how to manage those certain episodes so most treatments for asthma many individuals are aware of these types of treatments one is a quick relief during an asthma attack or if your symptoms occur during like a physical exercise such as you know sport activities or just exercise in general. It's an inhaled short beta agonist. Um, Some individuals may be familiar with the generic medication, the inhaler albuterol. It's used to help open up the airway during those acute flare-ups of wheezing, shortness of breath, or coughing episodes, or before, you know, physical activities, individuals may use this medication. The other is oral steroids that, you know, it's uh, like the prednisone. So individuals may be given steroids by mouth to help decrease the swelling in the airway. That's what the steroids do. They help decrease any type of swelling within the airway. So individuals may get a certain period of a time that they're treated for their asthma flare-up symptoms with some steroids. Then you have short-acting anticholinergic medications that help symptoms such as ipratropium, which is an inhaler as well. Then there are long-term medications that are often used to help control asthma symptoms. There are inhaled mast cell stabilizers to decrease the amount of swelling in the airway, especially when individuals are exposed to certain allergens. An example of this type of inhaled medication would be chromalin. 
Another medication that is used that can be long term, and I mentioned this one earlier, which is steroids, it can be in the pill form or in the inhaler form. And this will be used to decrease swelling in the airway, as mentioned earlier. Then you have what we call leukotriene modifiers that decrease the presence of leukotrienes. An example of this type of medication is singular or its generic form. Then there's inhaled long acting bronchodilators such as the long acting beta agonists as well as the long acting muscarinic antagonists. An example of a long acting beta agonist such as salmeterol. An example of a long acting muscarinic antagonist drug would be tiotropium bromide. So to give you an idea, so it's better to give you the classes, um, but those are some of the medications that are used to help manage asthma. Then there is a new therapy that I wasn't aware of, but doing research for this podcast, I came across what is called bronchial thermoplasty, which is an interesting management for asthma. And this procedure is often done by a specialist, which is a pulmonologist, which uses a scope and uses a scope to go down the airway. And this scope basically is used to deliver heat to specific places of the smooth muscle within the airway to decrease the risk of these muscles flaring up during an asthma flare up and causing some of the more life-threatening symptoms that individuals experience during an asthma attack. So it's a process that basically uses heat to shrink those particular smooth muscles that have a tendency to flare up during an asthma attack or asthma flare. Now, the treatments that are used, especially when it comes to the long-term treatments, those treatments are most often used for individuals who have more of the severe type of asthma or moderate type of asthma where it's difficult to control your symptoms with the typical rescue medication or inhalers, or if you have frequent flares of your asthma to basically decrease that risk of frequent asthma attacks or flares, you may want to be using some of the more long-term measures to help manage some of the asthma symptoms. Now, when it comes to that newer therapy that I mentioned, the bronchial thermoplasty, that type of therapy is used for severe asthma as well, but this will be used in adults more so than in children. So let's just talk about the overall best management for asthma, and that is an asthma action plan. For those parents that may be checking out this podcast episode, if your child has asthma, you are well aware of what an asthma action plan is, and it is is a plan that is in place to help support individuals when they have an increase in asthma symptoms and to know what the next steps are as far as management. So it's important to know not only information about how to get asthma training, there are support groups that are out there that exist. And I will try to make sure that I put some information about support groups or information about asthma action plan within the show notes, but it's important to have asthma training about the appropriate inhaler use because that's usually one of the major factors that I see as a physician in the office when individuals say that they're 
inhaler or rescue inhaler medications aren't working. Majority of the time is due to improper technique in the use of the inhaler when they need it. Also, just having individuals educate themselves about asthma, especially as it relates to if they're personally diagnosed with it or their loved ones, just monitoring your airflow. So like I mentioned, having those peak flow meters, individuals can have those peak flow meters at home. And I think majority of insurances should cover that, but that's something that you have to determine with your insurance carrier to see if that will be paid for through them. Also, Having individuals record problems with their asthma that they've noticed as far as when are their symptoms worse, if medications are providing benefit or not, and just knowing what your triggers are, making sure that you get the flu vaccine, those things that may potentially place an individual at risk. So you want to try to prevent that. So vaccinations against the flu, which may be a potential cause of a flare for individuals. Also, just avoiding smoking or being exposed to secondhand smoke. And with the asthma action plan, if individuals who don't know what that is, it's a plan that states there are three different zones in there. It has a green zone where an individual is noted to have relatively no symptoms, asthma symptoms are well controlled, peak flows are at their max level, and it just tells individuals of when they may need to use their inhaler, along with recommendations for the use of your daily medications if they are prescribed. And then it has a yellow zone where it's like a cautionary zone where individuals may be having symptoms and these are the medications that they should be using as far as like their rescue inhaler and making sure that they do keep up with their routine maintenance medications if they are on those medications and make a note of their peak flows and it notifies them of when they should seek medical attention with their provider. But then you have a red zone when they should contact emergency medical services where that's when you're calling 911, when you're going to be giving yourself your rescue inhaler management at this stage because your asthma symptoms will be at a higher level of severity. But if those things don't seem to be working based on that red zone recommendations, then that tells you when you need to seek emergency medical services through the emergency room where you can be observed under a controlled environment. So the important point to remember with the management is to decrease your risk of developing any of these asthma attacks is by knowing the triggers, avoiding those, making sure that you're taking your medications as prescribed and using them as prescribed and knowing when to seek emergency medical services. So that's why the action plan is so key. And just in general, some additional preventative measures that individuals can do, such as making sure that you're maintaining a healthy weight, because we mentioned earlier that obesity plays a role as a risk factor for developing asthma, making sure that you're making healthy lifestyle choices, such as avoiding smoking, being around smoke, managing your stress, making sure that you're eating a healthy, well-balanced nutrition plan, and just having a good support group is also beneficial and making sure that you're educating yourself about your diagnosis or your loved one's diagnosis of asthma. So they'll know when to seek emergency services and just to make 
make sure that you're keeping up with your routine follow-ups with your primary care provider, or if you're seeing a lung specialist, such as a pulmonologist, that you're making sure that you're keeping up with those appointments. So I know we went through a lot of information for this episode, but I hope it's been beneficial. And please feel free to share with friends and family that you may feel will benefit from this episode. And thanks for listening. And again, this is your host, Dr. Dion. Take care. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please subscribe and feel free to tell your family and friends to check out the podcast. And remember, this podcast is for educational purposes only and the thoughts and opinions do not constitute medical advice.